young girl travels to Jerusalem and finds herself in trouble. This week we're talking about the second and the third crusade. If you've not listened to the other episodes on the crusade, please listen to those first before listening to this one. The People's Crusade and the First Crusade have now happened. Jerusalem is free from Muslim control and other cities that have been freed are now under the control of the Crusaders. Now they were supposed to turn them back to the Byzantines since it was the Byzantines that had called for help and that had controlled the area in the first place. However, the Latin Church had kept control of the conquered areas and these areas had become Crusader states. Now, this was putting a huge strain on the relationship of the Greek and the Latin Christians. The Latin Christians not only took control of the land, they were also telling the Greek church how to worship and what church should look like. Now, the two churches, the Greek church and the Latin church, they fought a lot. And we're going to be talking more about that in another episode. Pilgrimages were still going on, and a group had been created to help the pilgrims. A group called the Hospitaller Knights would travel with the pilgrims and set up areas for the sick people, and would make sure the pilgrims would have food and the different things that they needed. These knights were both male and female, and this is where we get our term hospitals and hospitality from. Because pilgrims were getting attacked so often, another group of knights were formed. They were called the Templar Knights. This was an all-male knight's army, and they would guard the pilgrims. They were more of an army and would sign up for the Second Crusade and then the rest of the Crusades to follow. Eventually, the Germans started a knight group as well, but we're going to talk about them in a later episode. It's Christmas Day in the year 1144 in Odessa. And they're suddenly attacked. A Muslim named Zangi attacks and conquers Odessa. When they went into the city, they forced every Latin Christian out of the city and took their property. The Greek Christians were allowed to stay. Zangi was a brutal dictator. Those who didn't do as he said were publicly crucified or whipped or in some cases castrated and turned into slaves. The news of Zangi taking the Crusader state reached the Pope, and he was angry. The other Crusader states in the area were fearful that Zangi would attack and take them as well. Eugene III, the Pope at the time, called for fighters to take back Odessa, and he found a preacher to help him. The preacher's name was Bernard. Bernard was in his 60s and began preaching and calling for fighters. Everywhere he spoke, people signed up to go on a crusade and free Odessa from Zangi. One of the people who signed up was a young man in his early 20s named Louis. Louis was the king of France and was dealing with extreme guilt. Louis, in his early years as king, had tried to show his power by burning a church to the ground. Inside of the church were all the people who opposed him as king. Louis had felt guilty about killing all of these people and was almost going insane from the guilt. 
Louis heard Bernard preach, and Bernard was preaching that he could have his sins forgiven no matter how bad they were if he went on a pilgrimage and fought to free the people in Odessa. Louis was not the only king to sign up. Conrad III also signed up. One day, Bernard heard that one of his students was preaching in Germany. Now, this student was preaching. You don't have to go all the way to the Holy Land to fight infidels. They could fight them right here in Germany. The student began calling for people to kill the Jews. The Jewish community began to get attacked. Bernard heard about this and immediately traveled to Germany. He publicly disgraced the student and told the people of Germany that if any Jews were hurt, God would curse them. The Jews were safe, and in this crusade, no Jews were killed. Finally, the crusaders were on the march and headed to the Holy Land. In the meantime, Zangi found himself in a difficult situation. He had been drinking heavily and had passed out on his bed. One of his slaves was in his room, and since Zangi was unconscious, the slave decided to take a drink from his cup. Zangi awoke and saw the slave drinking from his cup, and he told the slave he was going to kill him. But then Zangi passed out again, so his slave took a knife and stabbed him to death. With Zangi dead, his throne was divided between two men, Seth and Nor, and then a civil war broke out. Now, while that was happening, the crusaders were on their way to free the people. One group of crusaders landed in Spain and found the Vandish people. These were pagans, and the crusaders thought, "We don't have to go all the way to the Holy Land to fight pagans." We can just fight these pagans. So they fought the Vandish people and created a brand new country we still have today, Portugal. So that left two crusading armies, the Germans and the France, still traveling to the Holy Land. They traveled through the Byzantine area and caused so many problems with Greek Christians. The Latin and the Greek Christians were fighting more and more, and they absolutely hated each other. The Second Crusade caused a lot of problems between the Latin and Greek Church, and would eventually lead to a split that is still present today. The Latin Church would become the Catholic Church of today, and the Greek Church is the Orthodox Church of today. Basically, the group was this rowdy, uncivilized, out-of-control group being led by King Louis the Seventh, who was barely out of his teen years. Eventually, the Crusaders ended up at a mountain called Mount Catmos. It was a very difficult journey, and they divided into three groups. The first group was the cavalry, and the second group was the supply, and the third group had King Louis the Seventh with him. When the first group arrived at the top, they were supposed to stay and protect the supply group, but instead they just took off and left the rest of the groups unprotected. As the supply group reached the top of the mountain. There were Muslims waiting for them and attacked them. Now Louis heard the attack and he tried to help, but the Muslims started shooting arrows down the mountain at the third group. King Louis the Seventh ended up hiding under a tree that was growing out of the side of the mountain. When the group was finally all back together, they had lost over a thousand men and most of their supplies. They realized they had no idea what they were doing. That's when they met up with the Knights Templar. The Knights Templar helped the group learn how to fight properly, and in just a few weeks, they had created a decent army. 
Finally, the group arrived in Jerusalem, and they went into the city to begin making plans on how they were going to attack and save Adeska. However, by the time they got to Jerusalem, they realized Zangi was dead, and there was actually no Christians living in Adeska anymore. It basically seemed pointless to attack the city now. But they'd come all this way looking for a war. So what were they going to do? So they decided, we'll just attack Damascus for really no reason at all. In fact, the Muslims in Damascus were the only ones that were actually making deals with the Crusader states and were kind of working together with them. On Easter Sunday in the year 1148, they attacked Damascus. They had to travel through an orchard, and the Muslims were hiding in the trees, shooting them. It was a hard battle, but in the end, they took the orchard and set up camp on the other side of the orchard. Now Damascus was stuck. The crusaders were holding the city in a siege. They had a river and an orchard, and it was going to be an easy siege for the crusaders. They had all the water they needed, all the food they needed. But then, for some reason, the crusaders moved to the other side of the city where there was no river and no orchard, no food or water, and then they were attacked and failed. And so then they all went home, and the second crusade was a complete waste of time. However, King Louis VII, after getting back from the crusade, went on to build the Notre Dame in Paris. That would be the one that burned down last year. So yeah, a lot of history was lost that day. Twenty years after the Second Crusade, a young couple was on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Jerusalem was still controlled by the Crusaders and was still free. The pilgrimage was not as dangerous as it was during wartime, but it did still have its problems. The couple along the way became pregnant, and in Jerusalem, they gave birth to their first child, a little girl, and they named her Beverly. They stayed in Jerusalem for as long as they could, and eventually they headed back to their home. Once they'd been home for a few years, they had their second child, a little boy that they named Thomas. Beverly and Thomas had a very happy childhood and loved their parents. Then both of their parents died. We're not sure how they died, history doesn't tell us, but we do know that young Beverly was left to take care of her little brother and raise him. Beverly did a good job raising Thomas, and when he was old enough to go to the monastery to study, she took him to the monastery and left him there. By this point, Beverly was just under 20 years old. Her life for the past decade had been caring for and raising her little brother. She knew that soon she would need to be married and have a family of her own. But she missed her mother and father, and she grieved the life that she had missed with them. She'd heard stories from her parents of their trip to the Holy Land and her surprise birth. She decided before she settled down to make a family, she would take a trip by herself to Jerusalem to see where she had been born and say a final goodbye to her parents. So she began saving for her trip. Beverly had been far too occupied with taking care of Thomas to pay attention to the rumors and the news from the surrounding countries. What she didn't know was that a man named Saladin was working to gain power and wanted to rule the Middle East. He wanted to rule the world. Saladin was a Muslim, and in the year 1174, when Beverly was still caring for her little brother, Saladin had taken control of Egypt and Syria. And now he had his eyes set on the city of Jerusalem. Beverly saved up her money, and in the year 1187, she had enough for her trip. 
and she made her way to Jerusalem. She arrived at the beautiful city and found a family that was willing to let her stay with them. It was the trip of a lifetime. Beverly traveled the roads that Jesus had walked on. She saw the places where Jesus had fed thousands of people. She saw the places where Jesus had healed people. Seeing the church and even looking at the true cross, the cross that Jesus had died on. She saw the place where he'd been buried and where he had come back to life. The story of Jesus came to life for Beverly as she walked the streets. She found herself not saying goodbye to her family, but a reminder that she would see them again one day. She had hope in the resurrection. She couldn't wait to return to see Thomas and tell him all that she had seen. Then one night she was awakened by a loud noise. She jumped from bed to see the family scrambling. The husband was leaving, running out the door suddenly, and the mother was frantically grabbing her little girls and cutting their hair off. She could hear screaming and shouting in the streets and men running. It was panic, and Beverly didn't know what was happening. What are you doing to their hair? We must cut their hair. The Muslims must not know their little girls. They will, they will hurt them. What are you talking about? What is happening? We're under attack. They've come for the city. You must run. You must hide. Beverly had never been one to hide or run. She had never been a coward. She spied a slingshot hanging on the wall. She spent many long days shooting slingshot with her brother, and she was pretty good at it. She grabbed it off the wall and headed towards the door. As she reached for the door, she looked up and saw a pot hanging on a hook. She grabbed the pot and put it on her head as a helmet. She was not going to let the Muslims take the Holy Land. Saladin was at the wall of Jerusalem. It was September, and Saladin arrived at Jerusalem with a great army. Beverly fought with the men, using her slingshot to fight off the Muslim army, and she kept the pot on her head to keep her head safe from arrows. She was actually a very good shot. But Jerusalem fell, and Saladin and the Muslim army marched into the city and took control. When the Crusaders had taken Jerusalem in the First Crusade, they had killed every Muslim and had burned alive a synagogue full of Jewish people. Saladin did not do this. He told the Christians they could buy their freedom. If they had the money, they would be set free. If they did not have the money, they would be slaves. The streets were full of Christian families trying to sell everything they had to get the money to buy the freedom of their families. The Jewish people and the Muslims in Jerusalem bought homes and items from the Christians at a very low price. Beverly had money she had set aside for her trip back home. It was enough to pay for her freedom. She went to the gate of Jerusalem and gave her money to the soldiers at the gate. She was given her freedom and allowed to leave. Outside the gate of Jerusalem, she was alone. No money, no knights to travel with or protect her, and a few months of walking away from home, surrounded by warriors. She started out hiding in the direction she knew she was her home, even though she had no idea how she was going to find her way home. She had planned on traveling with a pilgrimaging group with knights and families. She hadn't planned on this trip being done alone. Beverly did not get very far before she was kidnapped by a Muslim tribe and forced into slavery. Tied up day and night with little food and extremely difficult hard labor, she wished she had died in the battle. 
The news hit the Pope a month later in October. Not only had Saladin taken Jerusalem, he had taken the true cross and was holding it as captive. Now, as a side note, when I say the true cross, that's because that's what it was called. I do not believe the true cross was actually the cross Jesus died on. If you look through the episodes I did at the beginning of this podcast series, you'll see the church was very busy trying to stay alive and would not have taken the time to save the cross, nor would the Romans have given it to them, and the Romans definitely wouldn't have saved it. So it doesn't really make any sense at all that this true cross was the actual cross Jesus died on. However, the people of that day truly believed it was actually the cross of Jesus. Pope Gregory VIII immediately called for a third crusade. Saladin was not finished. Jerusalem was conquered, now to conquer the world. He began fighting with the Franks and was winning battles. Two years later, Beverly was still a slave. The crusading armies finally started out to take back the holy city. Beverly, during this time, had been working as a slave and had almost died from both extreme heat and extreme cold. Her brother had no idea what had happened to her and if she was even alive. She had no other family and no one looking for her. Her life seemed hopeless. All she could do is pray every day that God would see her and that God would save her. One day, two years after being a slave, a man appears to her and takes the bindings off of Beverly's arms and legs and tells her she's free. It's his son's wedding, and as a gift to him, he's bought the freedom of a few slaves and he's picked her. Margaret now runs free, but where? She finds herself in a nearby city begging for food. She's no longer a slave, but now she's a beggar. She's not the beautiful young lady who had left for a pilgrimage with money and carrying herself the way a fine young lady would care herself. She's now wearing rags, ugly and depressed, after two years living as a slave. She's sitting on the side of a road, begging for food. In October of 1190, the first crusading army arrives at a place called Accra. It's a city that had been taken by Saladin. It's the first city the crusaders plan on freeing. Then they plan to go on to Jerusalem. The army sets up around Accra and allows no one to enter or leave. They will stay there until the army either comes out and fights, or starves, or surrenders. It will be a very long siege. It's cold winters, and both the army outside the walls and inside the walls are hungry and dying from diseases. It's a year later, in June of 1191, two more kings appear with an army. It's Philip II and Richard the Lionheart. The new armies give the Crusaders a burst of hope. Within a month of arriving on the scene, Philip II and Richard the Lionheart take Accra and free it from Saladin's hold. It's July. Richard tells Saladin that he will give him one month to pay a ransom for the prisoners. Saladin leaves and then calls Richard's bluff. He refuses to pay the ransom. Now Richard has a problem. Before we look at Richard, let's look at a present day situation that will help you see how Richard was thinking. Today we have ISIS soldiers being held as prisoners. The US wants to leave Syria and the other Western countries also want to leave Syria. 
Nobody wants to take the ISIS prisoners with them back to their countries. And the Kurds are left in Syria and they don't want to be left to guard them. There's not enough people to guard them. So already, almost immediately, some of the ISIS prisoners have gotten free. This leaves people with a problem of possibly having to go to war with ISIS again and fight the exact same people. So what exactly are they supposed to do with these prisoners? And that is really how Richard was feeling. On top of that, Philip decided he was done fighting and he wanted to go home. So Richard the Lionheart was left in Accra with 2,500 prisoners. If he just let them go free, they would just turn and fight him. And if he left part of his army to guard them, he would not have the military he needed to take back Jerusalem. And if he took the prisoners with him as he traveled to Jerusalem, they would slow him down and it would be impossible to fight the battle that lay ahead. He called for Saladin again to pay the ransom and take the prisoners and bring them back to their homes. Saladin did send the true cross back and give the true cross to Richard the Lionheart, but no money for the prisoners. Richard realized what Saladin was doing. Basically, Richard was left as a prisoner in Accra. He was left as a prisoner guarding the Muslim prisoners. So, on August the 20th, two months after defeating Accra, Richard gives the order for all 2,500 soldiers to be taken out to a field and killed. Every world leader at that time was in shock. This was seen as an extremely cruel and unnecessary thing to do. Also, at the same time, Richard the Lionheart became the most feared man in the world. Saladin, in retaliation, called for all Christian prisoners to also be executed. Even today, the Muslims use this action of Richard on that August day as justification of acts done today to prisoners of war. They have never forgotten what happened. Richard and Saladin were now bitter rivals. However, Saladin had a general who would meet with Richard regularly, and together they would try to find a way to make peace. In September, Saladin and Richard went to war again, and Richard is the winner. A year later, in 1192, Saladin attacks and defeats Joppa and takes it as captive, but only one month after that, Richard shows up, fights Saladin, and takes Joppa back. Meanwhile, Margaret is still a beggar. She wants desperately to see her brother again. She finds the crusading army and basically just moves into their camp. Then on March the 4th, Saladin dies. Richard the Lionheart hears news from home and he decides he needs to return with his army. He's been gone away for many years. Saladin is dead and the threat of world domination is gone. However, Jerusalem is still in the hands of the Muslims. So they work out a deal. The Muslims agree to allow Christian pilgrims to visit the Holy Land. And then Richard goes back home. Beverly travels with the crusading army and makes it all the way back home. She finds herself outside the monastery where she left her brother years ago. She knocks and asks to see a monk named Thomas, hoping, praying he's still there. Then, standing there in the doorway is... Thomas. She throws herself into the arms of her little brother, now a young man himself. She's finally safe. Now it's Thomas's turn to take care of his sister. He hears her stories of traveling, of the war, of slavery in a Muslim camp. 
her sudden release, her years as a beggar, and her time traveling with the Crusader army. It's way too much. Thomas says the story must be a book. He's now educated and from his, he's now very well educated from his time in the monastery and he writes down her story. Her book is still available to purchase today, although it's only available in German. I can't pronounce the title of it in German, but if it was translated, it would be Thomas von Froldrant on his sister Margaret's journey to Jerusalem. In the end, both the Second and the Third Crusaders were started by Muslim aggression. The Second by Zangi and the Third by Saladin. In both the Second and the Third Crusade, the Crusading armies did things that today we would probably disapprove of. In the next episode, we're going to wrap up the rest of the Crusades and talk about the impact that all of them had on the church and what the church looked like as the Crusades ended. Especially what happened with the good news of the free gift of salvation. The idea of salvation being a gift of God by grace through faith had changed to go to war and earn your salvation. That's a pretty big change. And yet, would our world be a better place or a worse place without the Crusades? There's so many great questions to answer. I hope you're loving these episodes of church history and learning a lot. Please, can you leave a review? I get emails from people telling me how much they love them and that they're telling other people about them. But if you leave a review, that will help others see the podcast. If you're listening from the website, you will see on the website links to iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. I'm going to see you next week when we're going to wrap up the Crusades. But in the meantime, for more podcasts and other topics, for videos, and for blogs, visit lauraleesiemens.com. 